Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 66 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. On this episode, we welcome Evan Weiss and Josh Sparks from Intuit Over It. Recently, Evan and Josh were in New York City and we had some time to catch up before their show. We touched on recording in Vermont, the independent scene, the last time we all head walked, and what's next for the band. It was fantastic to spend time with Evan and Josh. Be sure to check out all of his music. And without fail, they are on the road at some point in a town near you. So thanks for all your feedback on the podcast and site via social media and iTunes. Keep it coming. The door is always open. Please enjoy episode 66 with Evan and Josh from Intuit Over It. So I, I definitely want to talk about uh, you guys recording because we didn't get to talk about the Vermont stuff. Obviously, that's where I'm from. What was that? Like, when you guys were up there, did you realize, like, oh, wait, nothing is open past 6? Like, were you like, wow, we're actually doing this without any... Because there's nothing. And especially where you guys were, that was next to nothing. Well, we were... <laughs> yeah, nothing was open. Yeah, there and there was, was nothing there. There was no 6. <laughs> there's, there's no 6 p.m. in <laughs> Yeah, there was... It's, it was like time had become a flat circle. We were just existing in a uh, continuum of just eating food and playing guitar and drums. There wasn't, we didn't leave the house for anything unless it was to buy groceries or... Cabin fever. Well, in a good way, though. Yeah, that's you know, what I mean. It was positive fever. You I think know? there were maybe like four nice outings. Yeah, we, we went out, the caretaker, Pat, who was like the main person who looked over the cabin, who would come every day to like make sure everything was going well. He took us out to dinner one night. His wife owned, uh, not owned, she was one of the head marketing people, right? Yeah, or yeah. something for this cider brewery. And, um, and so... We did that, like we went out, we had a really nice dinner with them one night, and then, uh, you know, we went grocery shopping a couple times, we went to Burlington like once or twice, maybe just once, actually, and then... Um, I think it was just once to buy groceries. Yeah, and I think there was one desperate night where we went out and got, we found snacks. We like had to go to the local gas station, when I say local gas station, it was like 45 minutes away. Yes. So, um, you know, all four-wheel drive, just, you know, cruising. Um, yeah, there was no. There, we didn't think about stuff closing at six p.m. It's yeah. like we're not leaving this house, you know. So that was the basically the experience. You know, just kind of holing up and um, 
I mean, really making the best use of our time. We played music probably 80% of the time. And you found out about that out of, it was a mutual friend or somebody that... No, we played a show at a place called The Signal Kitchen, which is in downtown Burlington. And um, Josh and I had both decided that we really liked Vermont that day. It was like the first time we'd ever been there. We're like, this would be a great place to work on a record. And uh, brought that up to Alex, who was the promoter at the end of the night. And he said he just closed the deal on the property. Wow. That he was that he bought specifically for that purpose. So um, it just kind of seemed like a serendipitous yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, like, which is the word. It wound up being very conversational and just very serendipitous. Yeah. They put a fell into place. Like, obviously, right. obviously, this is what we'll do. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> yeah. seemed like the easiest and, and most... Uh, like, not that we're fans of taking the path of least resistance, but it also seemed the most appropriate path. But, that, like, when you go into the record again, like, is this... I mean, you've done singles, you've done all this stuff. Going in again, there's that... You know, you've seen it time again on Behind the Musics and all that. Oh, they went to the desert and recorded by themselves. <laughs> or, you know, they're not going to L.A. And with the fancy producer, you guys kind of... Was that conscious or was it... Is it one of those, like, this just feels right and we wanted to do it? Um, like, there's always check. that thing of, like, going somewhere different to try and, like, change. Totally. Check me on this. Um, Josh and I had, like, just started writing music together. We hadn't really developed the language or the communication to really um, feel comfortable working on a lot of material at once and living in Chicago and writing in Chicago having that be our very first experience working with music working on music together we hadn't really gotten the chance to like learn our language our our, uh, writing language yet and so we kind of felt I feel like this is how I remember it happening I feel like we'd been like well maybe we should just take a step away from the city and then we can really focus on what we're working on instead of feeling distracted with work or with friends or with relationships or with whatever else was going on and plus there's a reason why bands go to the desert or go to the woods or whatever to work on records because it's awesome it's a great experience it's like you could just leave and work on music 24 hours a day you know without distraction um which for us we gotta think we got a big kick out of that so um so that was kind of what spearheaded that conversation it's like how can we figure out What's the best way that we can just get thrown into being in a situation where we can learn how to communicate effectively, creatively, and then also at the same time, how can we get away from all the distraction that exists in Chicago? Plus, our writing spot in Chicago sucks, frankly. It's really drab. It's The light is dull. It's musky. It's a very full room. Like, there are no windows. Um, Yeah. That's great when you, like, have something, like, we're going to fucking live in here for two weeks and get ready for this tour. Like, gives you a lot of incentive to bust ass, but when you're trying to, like... Create. Fucking reinvent the wheel and like yeah. I need to get better and like come with a new bag of tricks. Like yeah. any really the place to hash it out. Yeah, you want to be surrounded by something that uh, makes you feel more alive. Yeah, <laughs> and not like a like you're in a fucking uh, casket ready to kill yourself. Yeah. Also, the isolation, yeah. like for the way that you and I both right it becomes a math problem and once you have the original idea like there are literally hours of woodshedding that like take place to realize the concept once you've decided the path that it should take and and the more times the story's been told people seem overwhelmed by the amount of time that we were there and just like the isolation but it's like also we fucking needed that amount of time (laughs) yeah Yeah. you know (laughs) just to feel good about it and when we left when we left we didn't want to leave it felt like they, our lives had finally found some purpose. Distinctively remember that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people stay up there. I mean, friends that it's not a bad life. Yes, the winter's there for six months, but, you know. Yeah, well, not for long. No more ski resorts. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, we like it. It was the perfect pace for both of us to have for our day. You know, like I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than working on music. And I, you know, and I felt like we really fell into a rhythm, and we were, you know, coming up with new stuff every day, and um, eating well, and living well, and uh, I mean, when you say it's like a cabin in the woods, this was a, a nice cabin. When you like go, when you see the Airbnb commercials where you're like, man, who gets a place like that? Like this was that place. This was like the right. remote spot you pull in and there's snow hanging from the roof and icicles and it's like overlooking a lake and, you know, mountainous terrain. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really inspiring place to be. And so, um, you know, and the closest house was like a mile and a half away down a giant, you know, snowy ravine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's beautiful. So... Um, but the winter and you've Josh, you've said this before, like the winter was just so cold that it, while being a very inspiring to look at, you didn't really want to enjoy it. Yeah, like was, I don't want to fucking go out in that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to look at it snow from this picture window while I'm working on this part, but like, we're not going to go make snowmen. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fucking 20 below. My, my, my chore growing up was, uh, ice, uh, starting the cars in the morning yeah. and icing them off. At what it was like twenty below, ten below. That was my that was my chore. Not setting the table, not you know doing taking out else. the trash. Nope, no. it was shovel. It was shovel the driveway and get the car started. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's brutal. That's like a that could be like a that's like torture in some places. I would imagine. <laughs> get out there on your hands and knees and start the cars. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I, got, I got used to the cold pretty quick. As growing up in Iowa, those were things that like made me late for shit. Yeah, like not wanting to get up and go outside. Yeah, because you're like, wow, this is gonna be bad. There's an inch of ice <laughs> on my car. I'm not gonna be able to get that off. Which is in other cities, you know. Um, and then also too, I think the it's crazy. I think the timing. Like I thought, 2009 was yesterday. I thought 2000 was yesterday. These things are all like time periods are starting to meld together. Yeah. And we've gone through so many phases, especially when the the genres of punk. Yeah. And even with the revival and that word having its heyday and gone. And now we're sort of past that. Yeah. And there's what I'm trying to get across to a lot of people is there was amazing bands then. And there's amazing bands before that time period and after. And there's a scene still that's sort of cultivating. And I just think that independent spirit, like when you guys were, I guess, is it conscious still of that word and that people bringing that up every time? How do you mean? Meaning, like, bringing up the emo revival, bringing up 2010, bringing whatever the time period was, and now... Yeah. But you guys have been doing it before and after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, for frankly, like... I mean, and I've said this before. I feel like it's a way for music writers to lump together a group of bands that have a very similar ethic, which is that... Because I don't think World Is sounds like Intuit Over It at all. I don't think we sound like the sidekicks or pine grove or fucking any other bands that we're like in a similar scene with and vice versa, you know? Yeah. But I think that because everybody comes from that do it yourself, work for yourself. It's kind of like a, it's, it's like indie rock with a hardcore ethic and that can't be called either one. Like we couldn't be called a hardcore band. We couldn't really be called an indie rock band because we're towing the line between these yeah. two things. Which so was, that's what you know becomes. Yeah. But 10, you know, 10 years ago, it's the same thing. It was those, like, I always tell people, the first time I saw a Dashboard was with Snapcase. That sounds fucking crazy, but that's what the tour was. And that was okay then, and it's okay to have Pine Grove and all these bands on there because everyone likes that stuff. It's not like these package tours of everything's got to have a breakdown 
you know, at, at minute 10. I mean, right? certainly. Or, or minute, you know, minute 30. But I think because, you know, there really isn't the economy for separation. <laughs> like, people can't, we can't divide in, like, subgenre that way. And so things do inevitably get lumped in together. And it's impossible to ignore because it's beneficial in the same way that it can be kind of destructive. But it can be very easy to walk a parallel to. You know, like you can notice it and kind of understand the rules, understand what people are talking about and realize it, realize that, it, that it's really helpful for a lot of people and realize that it sort of also is simultaneously homogenizing things. But it like music journalism is talking about emo helps into it over it. Music journalists talking about emo helps the world is. Yeah. And whether or not we pander to that is completely our decision. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean, it's indie, it's independent music. And that's the part that I start getting weird when. You, I hear about a band getting picked up by a label or a booking agent or the first bus. It's like these things start happening, which I'm happy for the bands, but then I worry that that sense of DIY, of like that community, I think sometimes goes away when you have those. Um, you can disagree. I'm just, I, I feel. I, I get, frankly completely disagree. Tell me why. Um, I don't think the, I mean, I would love for Intuit Over to be at a level where we could tour in a bus. Have you done a bus tour before? I have not. It's beautiful. It's I've beautiful. Been on a bus. It's a beautiful no, thing. No, I'm saying I'm not. I'm not mad at that. I'm just saying the people's sentiments of the reasons why they're sounding like something. Oh well, I mean that's that's on the band. For, if a band starts writing crappy records, if that I don't know if the if like the the uh, like a thing like a bus or a booking agent or a manager like those are the th- those aren't the things that are making a band write bad records. What's making a band write bad records is if there's no inspiration or if they just get lazy or if they're not pushing themselves to become uh, better players or more creative or or putting the music first. You know what I mean? Which is really easy to do because the primary way for a band at our level to make money at all is not to make records; it's to go on tour, and so when bands maybe get distracted by the by the focus of making money which is touring that can at least in my mind distract from the ultimate for me which and for Josh as well yeah. the ultimate goal which is to just write really good records and then hopefully those things come into place later you know like if we wrote a record that we were really psyched about and nobody liked it but we really liked it that would be emotionally gratifying and satisfying to us like I could I could die knowing that there's this thing that will outlive me and I can be really proud of um, but not all people play in bands for the same reasons that we do and not you know it's it's yeah not all musicians identify as band members and not all band members identify as musicians yeah and like that's a separation too you know so that um, I mean in terms of homogenization or in terms of of people getting lazy or if people just don't care anymore like that's kind of on them and I don't think that has much to do with the outside forces really like if we could tour in a bus we'd probably be much happier on tour frankly I mean it's no, be a happy. much more comfortable and cozy way to be I'm happy that bands get successful I just think there's a there's there's a way that it's sometimes they're taking something that you guys sort of had built as this community and then certain things happen where people get successful fantastic but then it turns into it's sort of this cycle of well I want to do that and by the time you do there are bands that are part of it that aren't there and I think dilutes what was sort of that community and I think that's what I that's what I mean it's, well, it's, it happens all the time and maybe I'm talking circles I'm just trying to say that it's 
that like the the peak of what people were talking about about this genre at what what 2010 2011 is sort of died off there aren't like there are articles there's pieces about it but it's better than it was back then i agree the bands are better the bands are way better there's they're releasing (laughs) their third and fourth records and it's like evolving yeah and i want to keep that's what you should be supporting yeah music consumption is so funny to me like versus other art forms and the way that people make it so personal and when you start talking about genres and you start talking about bands and you start talking about songs you are not talking about the art that someone is choosing to consume that's not what you're threatening you're threatening like what was playing the night of their first kiss like and those are like very very personal things for people and so they need to put a name on it they need to have it in a box and like I'm not condemning any of this because I do the same fucking thing (laughs) like the music that I listen to is so highly personal to me and like does it kind of bum me out when bands go certain directions and do certain things and make certain choices like I love Tool but I don't like most Tool fans you know like it's (laughs) it's sort of that kind of thing I think an aspect of that branding is just like people want it to be a personal thing too and you know, uh, people like limited shit, and maybe that's why it's easier to like a band like Mineral than it is to like a band like Hotelier or La Dispute. You know, that's why the Glory Days are the Glory Days because they only had two releases and then they went away. Yeah, and it's something you can—it's nostalgia. It's like this thing that you missed and you yeah. may not be able to get it again. And so, if a band stays together and continues to do stuff, and records stay in print, it kind of loses yeah, that. Then you'll lose interest. There's, <laughs> a, there's a chapter in that Stephen Hyden book about that. Like, would if if Clapton died and not Hendrix would have like if Hendrix was still around would he have the same reverence as it was really oh, yeah. interesting it's like it's same with Kurt Cobain art. like if yeah, Kurt Cobain totally. didn't die like what if Kurt Cobain stayed alive and then like cleaned up dude for real and yeah. wasn't yeah. And, and like found God or something like when he, like, yeah, what, when he made what, his first <laughs> contemporary Christian album I was yeah just about to what say would that you, what, would yeah. have, what would Nirvana what would the legend of Nirvana be You've all seen what happened to Dave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to release music differently? I know a lot of people are just, you know, hey, we have a song, let's let's put it out. Like, instead of having this sort of ramp up with a record, have you guys thought about that for releasing things differently or talking about music? I am not as interested in alternate ways of releasing music as I am interested in alternate ways of creating music. That, to me, is far more interesting. If I can figure out new ways for us to, to write or to record or for more interesting storylines regarding the process, that, to me, is way more interesting. For As a music consumer, frankly, all I do is, I'll, you know, I love Spotify. I love it. I condemned it for years and years and years and then finally realized that, like, people were coming to see this band because Spotify exists and, and it, like, turned them, got a hit to them. Else. Right. Yeah. Or, uh you know, the fact that I'm finding so much new music through a service like that and then buying the records through uh-huh. that streaming service, which is like, and I also see return from Spotify. You know, there's like, we get royalty from that. It's, and it's not, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah. It's frankly it's like pretty not decent. unsubstantial for, um, for people like us, you know what I mean? Who are totally, you know, paying rent. <laughs> um, but I mean, as a music consumer, yeah, like I buy vinyl and I listen to streaming services. And so, when a band does something interesting, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. But ultimately, like I'm gonna find myself going back to the same things. Like, how can I listen to this record at home? How can I enjoy this record in the van? You know, yeah. like. Um, and so personally, that's just something that doesn't pique my interest. Although, if someone had a really cool idea, like if you know anyone in the band, or if like you know uh, anyone like associated with the team of the band had a really cool idea, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Cool. But when it comes to creating music, like us going to a cabin and then going to fucking San Francisco making a record to tape, that is something we've never done. 
ever. You know, and, and I definitely echo that. Like so much of it for me too is just process based. Like I'm very interested in like new ways to do it, but I'm also a big album guy. Like I like records. I like sequencing. Like yeah. I like a dense thing Why that I put just can, like sit way. down yeah. and listen to. I you know I want like an experience. I want to listen to something front to back and feel the full course of the record. Um, but then also, uh, you know, like how do like how do we make a record on the moon? You know what I mean? Like yeah, what band has made a record on the moon? No band. How does Intuit Over make a record on the moon? <laughs> you know, uh, Steven was just talking about like doing a recording and like cutting it direct to wax. Yeah, like doing like recording live and recording direct, like how they would, you know, like 50s Motown. Like it literally just gets cut. Yeah, like shit like right that is so fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah and who do we know that does that? Not, not really anyone that I've ever met. You know, like when we told our friends or like when we told World Is or when at the time when we were talking to Foxing because Foxing and us both went to the cabin and we told them we were making a record to tape that was going to be com- no computers at all at any part of the process it was like they were like what what you know like none of our peers are doing that that's right you know so <laughs> that well yeah I mean that too that process is also mine you gotta think that when records were made to tape you had a producer a tape engineer probably one or two interns someone managing the studio and then like five band members that are all assigned an individual voice and in this instance we had one intern two techs that popped in and out and one producer engineer and one drummer and then one dude doing literally everything (laughs) else and so i think that was part of the tall order too and we're explaining this to people and like just standing side by side like yeah here's how we're gonna do it and they're like what we're like no this is like totally feasible right yeah like one month let's do it valhalla (laughs) (laughs) you know but it's it's not as scary as you like especially recording with someone like john who's very um he's very capable of making people feel comfortable in his space and he wants his space to be inviting. He doesn't want it to seem sterile. He wants it to feel like you're making a record in your house, yeah. which it does. It really does feel like you're making a record in like one of our apartments. And, um, and so the whole time you feel very cozy, you feel very at ease. And I think without that, if John wasn't the way he is, um, I don't know if we would have had the same experience at I don't all, think like so. whatsoever, not yeah. even close, you know. Um, so ability, I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah, our ability to trust John and like just his efficacy to like no, this is my idea, and, like, I'll totally make it right now and show it to you, and it's going to work. Yeah. It's just like, all right. Yeah, you know, sick. and I, I think, like, the first maybe one or two times we were kind of like, uh, and then, but after he proved himself, like, three or four times in a row, we were like, okay, man, you just, <laughs> we, we, you got this. Uh, <laughs> this is all you. Nice. Um, but, yeah, that, that, the process aspect of it is what's insane. That's what's fun. That's what it makes a record interesting to me. That's what gives a, a, a story behind the album. And um, what makes it interesting? I think more interesting for people. Cool. I get asked all the time, and I've, I'm really bad at it sometimes, but people are, hey, what what band should I listen to? What's next? Are there stuff that you guys, that even if it's one or two, but like tip people off to or things that they should be, maybe, or, hey, you missed it last year. You should have listened to it, and you didn't, or are there any of those? Any of those. Any of those any of those like I'll tell you an example Kevin from Top Shelf was like you know uh, World Is has a label right and I was like I forgot no oh yeah and then no, I was you like, did yeah, the broken world stuff big time and then it was awesome. like he was like he listed off like five bands and it was at South By and that night I remember staying up till like three cause it was like oh I missed this band this band cause you can't literally keep touch with everything so that's why I'm oh, and Derek's like, releasing records non-stop there's a new thing constantly I can't keep up with the label either you know and um 
I'm having a hard time thinking of new bands. I'm in this really How about dark. Even just like what you're listening to at the moment. Well, so I'm in this really gnarly hole of listening to early '80s new age instrumental acoustic guitar players. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in this really deep hole. This Wyndham Hill Records hole. Oh my god, you would have loved Kim's. Oh my <laughs> they god. Had, they had a whole section of just that. Dude, I, I'm just so <laughs> deep into this thing right now that I can't I can't climb out. It's like all like Michael Ack William Ackerman, sorry, William Ackerman, Michael Hedges, um, and then like contemporary guys like Don Ross or uh, you know, um, just a lot of or like early editions E. G. obscure records like Gavin Breyer's fucking Brian Eno, Harold Budd, like that is I am buried in this eighties ambient wormhole. And I'm having a really hard time climbing out. <laughs> when did you fall into this hole? I fell in right after, well, probably it got started maybe the five or six months leading into us going to Vermont, and it's only gotten progressively deeper since then. Like, since we got back from San Francisco, it's gotten infinitely deeper. That hedge shit is so good. It's so me. good. It's and I, really that's the thing, good. I don't listen to music with vocals anymore. Like, if I'm in the van and I'm driving, like, unless I'm making a Spotify playlist or something for with purpose, you know, like, give me, like, 30 songs that you think of when you think of Washington D.C. I'm like, okay, cool, and I can like make a Washington D.C. playlist. But if you're just, if I'm just putting music on, like last night I did a, over a midnight drive, and it was Do Make Say Think and Stars of the Lid. Nice. And that was, but that was my two-hour nighttime playlist, like the stuff that you would go to sleep listening to. I'm driving a 15-passenger van. <laughs> <laughs> and this was. Why in, are we hitting the rumble strips yeah. more than usual? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I unfortunately have nothing. I don't have a lot of new stuff to speak on, unfortunately. It's new for you though. The whole it's new year. for me. It's definitely new for me, and I'm still falling. You know, I'm still falling down, down, down. <laughs> if I if I go to the, it's like that's my new because when I was getting into punk and emo, right, or indie rock, whatever, um, I would buy records based on the what the album covers look like or what record label it was on, and I'm doing that now only with these like new age ambient record labels. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, this thing called Piano Solos, but it's on Wyndham Hill, and it's a dollar. Okay, buying that. You know, like, it's, it got reverted back to being 15 years old, but now I'm buying music that, like, 40-year-olds buy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so much of my music consumption is transitory, like, in kind of the same way. I've gotten really into, like, this hybrid drumming kick, like, wanting to incorporate electronics into, like, acoustic drumming. So Dean Tani Parks and the band Warpaint are two things oh, that, that I've been record's great. so okay. into. Just go. on account of that, like, on that tip, like, stylistically, I think those two things are so neat. The Gloss 7-inch from last year oh, that, was that one thing band. that I just yeah. recently discovered and have given a really hard listen to, and it's like, awesome. It's the best hardcore 7-inch I've heard in a really, really long time. Yeah, I back that. That's the best hardcore band currently, in my opinion. Nice. I still have to see him. Yeah, have yet to see him. But I don't if you're looking for something new to check out. You <laughs> might have missed from twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Alright. When's the last time you guys staged Dove? Oh. Uh, but not Ooh. your own show. Not my own show. Why would I stage have my own show? Do people do that? Like they so finish I've a song and then they die. Yeah, I've seen it before. Um I'm not saying I saw you do it, it's just an assumption. The last time I staged Dove. I will so or grab the mic. I've started to feel really guilty about stage diving because there's been such an uproar about it lately. Like I feel like I'm going to be perceived oh, yeah, as this right. like macho machismo jerk. Um, and I haven't really been to many hardcore shows lately. Right. I staged dove to paint it black in Chicago. Nice. That was not terribly long ago. 
I don't remember the last time I stage dove. Then you need to do it soon. That's what it is. <laughs> I should. I don't. I have the same problem. I'm so afraid I'm going to hurt somebody. Yeah. Like, I'm really, because it would it would be one of us. Like, yeah. you know, like everyone, there would be like 50 people stage diving and everyone would get caught seamlessly and like I would kick someone uh, in the face. Yeah. I remember like, and I, I mean, I, I used to be like a head walking kind of guy. Okay. Because so I grew up in that. Were you a head walk guy? I was, or? it was Philadelphia, growing up in Philadelphia hardcore, it's like, and I was like on the lower tier of people who are like dangerous at a show. I was like the, the softy at the show <laughs> for sure. And, uh. And even that, but it breeds this kind of reckless violence that is unlike any other city in the country. Philadelphia has its own style completely when it comes to, like, moshing and stage antic shit. Like, um, so yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I had walked until I was, like, 21. I mean, I'm 31 now. It was a decade ago. So it's like a lot has changed in 10 years. You got the quote but, for the podcast. I was yeah. head walking since I was 21. No, before. Oh, before 21. Yeah. Excuse me. All right. Yeah. I'll go back to the yeah. head walked out of the womb, yeah. dog. And I did. I, my last head walk was at. <laughs> so there's a Wonder Year song that mentions my name. Nice. They were playing their first ever headliner at Union Transfer. Into it over to open the show. I head walked during the song Don't Let Me Cave In, which is the one that has my name in it. And I fucking stomped some kid's face. And he, I had never met anyone so excited to have a broken nose in their entire life. They were like, Evan broke my nose. And that was when I was like, man, this scene is going to swallow itself whole. <laughs> <laughs> Something is going wrong. I gave him all the record. I was like, take whatever you want. I cannot, I'm so sorry. I cannot believe that happened. I mean, I can kind of believe that happened, but... Because I did it. I did it. I feel really bad. I felt terrible. And I, that was the last time. I was like, I'm never doing that again. I've never... I refuse to hurt people like that ever again. <laughs> that's rad. So what is next? I mean, that's always the question, but because it's timely, like, what are you guys doing after this tour or anything? What's next for... Where can people find you? Um, into whatever. It's kind of... Well, this is like a... With our European dates, this is like a nine-week tour. So this is a really, really long trip where I think it'll be very helpful to everyone to have a little bit of time off after this is over i know uh pet symmetry is getting ready to do our second record um so that'll probably be happening in june and then after that i mean we're kind of gearing up for the like august and fall yeah that's what it's looking like like festival things and season um kind of just i think a lot of people are like waiting for this like hopefully i would like to think that like we need to prove what Intuit Over It is worth right now, I think, before we can start talking about what kind of support we're going to get for the rest cool. of the year. So, But we would love to do some support stuff. That'd be great. I always laugh at the festivals. I cannot keep them straight. There's too it's many. A, I mean, it's a lot of there's them. Like, yeah. and it's, there's the same press release, and then you get excited again. Because I think Lala. I think Reading leads. I think of all... And then, oh, it's this. And, okay, the fantastic bands, but what's so... It's just a sh- bunch of fucking bands outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that, it's like the old radio shows. Like every, you know, the the label pays to have the band on the show. They play this thing. It's for the, you know, it just seems there's just a lot. I got to be honest. If we weren't playing festivals, I would never go to one. I like festivals just because they pay the shit out of their bands. And if you're a young <laughs> band, like it helps. It's, it's a really and great, you're going to get yeah. exposed to more people. And Truly, and I mean, that, the big thing I think is is the that flyer comes out. And it's got four fucking four hundred bands on it. Yeah. So you're like done. Yeah, but if like, see. but like, if there's a flyer and it has Radiohead on it, and then twenty names down, it has Pine Grove on it. Everyone who like Pine Grove's playing Lala this year, that's awesome. So rad. You know, that's huge for them. But 
front bottoms doing Coachella. A- exactly. So like anyone who sees that fly, like how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people see those flyers? Different people that you would have never seen. Right. Never your seen name. your band name, and they see it right there, right next to like their favorite band of all time. And then you hope that that, like... Maybe they accidentally walked by. Yeah. they. You hope, though, that they would be like, oh, I wonder what that band's about. You know, and then they check out your band, even if they're not going to watch it, or if they're not going to the festival. Like, you could be, you know, like, fucking Primavera Sound has a flyer with, like, you know, like, a couple hundred bands on it. And... That's a great festival. Ex- exactly. Yeah. But so you, like, even me, I would look at that list and be like, well, I've never heard of that band. And it's like, what's that band? You know, and then check them out. Only from looking at the flyer. Like, I'm not going to Primavera Sound, but that's a way to... To get exposed to a new band. Yeah, you know? that, and it's a legitimacy thing, too. Like, even if Lala wasn't epic and Pine Grove wasn't awesome and they weren't getting paid, a agent or whatever can look at the fact that they've done Lollapalooza and know, like, oh, there's a band that has their shit together. Yeah. Like, they've done this. They can handle, like, big boy staging. They can handle yeah. the big boy stage. They yeah, can handle right. big boy atmosphere. Like, all right, cool. Let's give them a fair shake. Yeah. And, like, in that way, like, it's so helpful for young bands, man. It really is. Or, like, legitimizing yourself to strangers. Yep. You know, like, oh, what's your band called? Oh, we didn't do it over. You know, like, oh, what have you guys played around town? It's like, well, we did Lollapalooza. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. oh, oh, hey, oh, cool. You know, but like. What if you name one that no one's ever heard? You know, we played, uh. I don't know shrimp shooters and you know, <laughs> well, you wouldn't, I think you it wouldn't matters less. less you know? Unless you're into yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like that's the festival in that town or whatever. Like even there's two in New York now. There's a competing. I'm gonna mess up. I think I forget the name of the second one. But there's like a governor's ball. And now there's another one. And so it's like, well, what the? It just seems like. Well, I would only save that for when I was in Dubuque. I'd be like, yeah, I play with we did shrimp shooters, you know. Dude, the shrimp shooters is fantastic. Yeah, have you been to that? Have you been to that festival? It's well, amazing. It's still, it, Dude, the side it, stage, uh, best one. Uh, <laughs> but even that depends on who's putting on shrimp shooters. I mean, if yeah. shrimp shooters yeah. the Bowery presents, yeah. like then That's all of a sudden on everything. Well, There's no Bowery presents. What in Dubuque? Anywhere. Regard really? What do you mean? We just did a Bowery show yesterday. Yeah, it got bought by AEG. No way. Yeah. Really? Actually? Yes. No. It's terrible news. <laughs> you want to? Do you want to tell us? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna tell okay, right. get in trouble. All right, I'll edit it out. Well, no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh. Well, last night we had a great Bowery show. <laughs> the last one you'll ever do. No, yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous. No, it is nuts that now the New York market has no. I mean, other than the DIY spots, there's yeah. no. Like, wow. Independent promoter. Wow. That is some big business shit, man. That is some real big business There's shit. There's a fat cat somewhere laughing over piles of money. Yeah, no, all right. Well, I'm back to square one. Fuck festivals. They're meaningless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't play them. <laughs> like, no, They're a terrible waste of time. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the real shit right here. You wanted the raw dog shit? This is it. <laughs> Go with that evidence. Tell me more. Punk until I'm dead. <laughs> headwalking before head 21. Headwalking before 21. You're like, I'm headwalking now. I'm headwalking on AG. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we playing tonight? Irving Plaza? <laughs> I love them. I love them. They're fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, AG. Or is it Live Nation? I can't remember. No. Is it the same thing? To us, it's all the same. It's all the same. I don't know. I can't, you know, like, as long as the people working at the club are very polite and everyone treats each other with respect, then we're... we're Okay, yeah, I, I got it. I got shit on by a friend because I said on Instagram I was posting about the West Coast portion of the tour and how good it was, and I was thanking all 
you know, obviously all the bands on the tour yeah. and thanking everyone who helped out with all of the shows and everybody who was, you know, responsible for giving us a floor to sleep on or a place to hang out. And I got like, someone was like, oh, like thanking everyone who helped set up the shows. What making it sound like, like gave me shit that I was thanking people for helping set up the shows, even if they worked for companies like Live Nation or AEG. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I was trying to be like, yo, like, just because they work for probably music people. a company or a corporation, like, that doesn't make them less, that doesn't mean their work is, like, less valued than someone who's putting on a DIY show. You know, like, that's, it's all work. You know, like, no matter what, no matter what level you're at. And most of the people who are working for places like Live Nation now were, were, the, people, were the people doing the yeah. DIY shows five, ten years ago. You know, who have wanted to keep doing show promoting and to do that. Pay rent. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you grow <laughs> with a company, you know, like. Like, one of our best friends, like, one of the person who booked into it over it for, like, the very first time in Philadelphia, like, the very first, like, kind of DIY show that wasn't in a house, that was in a club, was my friend Nick Finelli. And now Nick works for the Trocadero, and he works for Rad. a couple other places in Philadelphia. But, like, he started booking me at the fire when he was just, like, an independent promoter who just, like, wanted to start doing shows. Fire's, like, a 100-cap room, you know what I mean? And Nick's been sticking with it and kicking ass. And, like, just because he works for maybe Live Nation or whatever, I don't even know who does Trocadero, but... He, uh, that doesn't like make his work any less work, you know. And so I had to kind of try to like kind of put my friend Todd in, in his place, like be like, yo, like no, like this is this is real. Like yeah. it, it, you, they're the ones, you know, dealing with our sorry sour like fucking, meh, you know, how <laughs> you rolled yeah. in the club, like been in a van all day, like grumpy, you know, and carrying helping us carry the gear inside and helping us set up the stage and helping us, you know, figure out when everything's gonna happen like that's a lot of fucking work and you're dealing with a bunch of emotional 30 something like like very pissy opinionated yeah, people yeah yeah like <laughs> grumpy artists man <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the work in and of itself yeah. you know you can't not acknowledge those things. And I mean, also, the people that go out of their way to avoid companies, you know, using a company like AEJ and Live Nation have resources that we don't have. Yeah. Like, it is an awkward middle ground of, like, we play a house show, people aren't going to be able to get in, there's probably, like, the cops are going to come, like, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, someone's going to get hurt. We're know, also something... not within our means to, like, not, you know, do Live Nation shows. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's... I frankly don't have an opinion. You know, I think if the pe- if the people setting up the show are people that we have a relationship with and that are people that are good to us, then we'll be good to them back. And that's, you know, and I think that goes for anything in life, frankly. Like, if you're going to be good to people, then they deserve yeah, no. your time. Yeah, you know? no, and that goes back to sort of the, you see the, you see the flyer and maybe these guys have more promotion behind X and someone else sees it. Well, I mean, it's all, and it's, it's, there's, there's, you know, every city, there's other things too. Like sometimes you're, you're routing out your tour and the only person who can do your show is one or company A or company B, you know what I mean? And you have to just be like, well, we have to play this city on this day and this is our best option. And these people are also cool. You know, it's like, what are you going to, you know, say no, like, no, boycott, you know, like, sure, you know, I and I totally respect that if a band wants to boycott something like that, but that's just not in our realm of ethics, I think. Like, it's just not a thing that, frankly, we think about. So you guys are in a good place then? You're yeah. Happy? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. People, I mean, people are very friendly to this band, and I think we've, coming from where we've come, that also gives us a level of of respect to the people that are working on our shows no matter where we are and then I think learning too I think show, giving that 
showing that ethic or showing those things, younger bands that come on tour with you guys or maybe the older ones that forgot about it, see it, and then they're able to take something from it or you learn something from that. That's the other part I love, that yeah. passing on that sort of... Absolutely. Just a little bit of the nugget of DIY. I mean, that means that means a lot to us. Like, we did a tour with Minus the Bear. And, you know, like, those dudes are, you know, another generation ahead of us. You know what I mean? And first day of the tour, they walk in. They all introduce themselves. They're all hanging out. They're all incredibly friendly. Just super warm and generous people. Yeah. And So transparent, and the came, background they have. Yeah, and came from the same world <laughs> yeah. that we did just maybe five, six years before we were there. Same kid. And so yeah. when, you know, and they have the same level of respect for everything that we you know, we were on the same page completely the whole time. Rad. And, um, and that was awesome to see, you know, for us being like, you guys are like a big girl, you know, like we're just like the lowly support and you guys are like, like, and you're old and you're all a lot of fun. Yeah. Like you really <laughs> like, want to get down. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are also old, but you're a little older. <laughs> but you're like kids in mortgage uh, old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just on paper old. <laughs> That's cool though. Getting connected like that. Because a lot of times you hear those stories where they don't, you don't even see them. Yeah. No, and they were so cool. And that and that was like, man, this is the band. It was inspiring. It was like, this is the band that we want to be when if we could ever get to this level. Like, this is how we want to treat everyone that we're on the road with all the time. You know, and that's important because not every band you go on tour with is like that. Yeah. And and it's and it's hard to swallow when you know when you see like people you look up to or like a young band kind of like feel like come off as entitled or like. Uh, feel like they're not doing it for any other reason than to get some money in their pocket, yeah. you know, and, and that's just like a, a, a background that the people that play in this band just do not understand, you know, like I, whether we were making nothing or making everything, we would still be doing music only to like create art yeah. and show that to people, you know, um. Which is, a, I mean, that's the most successful people any of, any of us have ever met. Are yeah. the people that were just doing what they were doing anyway, and then someone to... took to it, and like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. But it wouldn't have mattered. Like, they were just fucking making it. So I guess, I mean, to answer your question, like, tour has a lot of ups and downs. I grapple with it, but at the end of the day, I fucking love this record. <laughs> and I played a band with my friends, so, like, even if a situation sucks or a day sucks, like, it's like it's great. Like, it's such a nice tone just to be... Like, the course of the last six months has set a really positive tone for this tour cycle. So, yeah. That's good. That's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> we've been taking thing. our time. We've been, we've been really good. focusing on it. <laughs> good. Cool. Learn from our mistakes, good and bad. <laughs> cool. That's perfect. Great. First time in a long time Washed Up Emo fans, thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also 
reprinted volume one so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.